Hello, hello. Welcome to She Podcast, episode 365. Oh my goodness. And do we have a special treat for you? Usually you hear my amazing partner and co-host Jessica Kupferman open the show, but alas, she is traveling. And so you get me. And also I am traveling as well. And as I was getting ready to record, I realized that my sturdy little microphone that has been with me for years now just decided to die. So I am now recording straight into the voice app into my phone just to give you a little bit of behind the scenes. Anyway, I implore you that before you make any decisions about whether or not you should listen to this episode, I want you to just commit right now to do it. Do it. Do not skip the episode. Listen. This episode is a replay of the amazing live event that we co-hosted and co-produced with the indomitable Anna Deshawn from The Cube. The event was unapologetic being black and queer in podcasting. The panel was led by Anna Deshawn and it featured Aeon Brianna Jenkins from the Girl Down podcast with Aeon, Goddess Coco from Sex with Kiki Pod, Selly Thiam from Afro Queer, Jay Ray from Q Points. I was behind the scenes when this was happening, and these folks were powerful. I took a ton of notes, so many truth drops. I mean, truth bombs. <laughs> and I'm so happy to share this with you. A link to the YouTube event will be in the show notes as well in case you want to check it out that way and you kind of want to see everybody chatting. It was really lovely to see everybody's faces as well. All right, now a little bit of housekeeping for She Podcast and most especially for She Podcast Live. We have a $200 off coupon for a ticket for She Podcast Live through the whole month of July, which is, well, as you hear this, it's literally in about a week. So the coupon code is buy in July, and that is all together. And it's buy in July. It's B-U-Y-I-N-J-U-L-Y, right? All together. So use that coupon by heading over to shepodcast.com slash live and tap on that register now button. Now remember, buy in July. And if you want to get a sneak peek at our speakers, you can see the ones being announced. So they're announced every Wednesday over at ShePodcast.com. And you tap on to that little speakers at the top. My gosh, the lineup is phenomenal. I am absolutely blown away by everybody that's choosing to come speak and just show up for She Podcast Live. It is amazing. All right. So already, here we go. I'll let you get started with this powerful conversation. So I'd love to hear your biggest takeaways from Unapologetic, being black and queer in podcasting. I'd love to hear your biggest takeaways. So send them over to feedback at shepodcast.com. And I so look forward to hearing from you. And the links to connect to all of these awesome folks, they will be in the show notes as well. So it would be amazing if you con connected with them. All right. Chat with you next week. Love you. Mean it. Bye. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for showing up today. I have been wanting this to happen for months. And I am incredibly, incredibly honored to have Anna Deshawn here usher this incredible conversation that's going down 
with us today all the way around. And I am just going to pass it off to her because she is going to just bring it to us. But I want to say a quick shout out to She Podcasts. First of all, my name is Elsie Escobar. I'm the co-founder of She Podcasts. I'm so thankful that you are here. But my shout out is really to She Podcast Live. She Podcast Live is a sponsor of this wonderful event. And it is an incredible event that's happening in mid-October this year in Washington, D.C. You can get your tickets over at shepodcasts.com slash live. So if you have not done that, please do so. But with no further ado, after this incredible time together, I am going to usher the incredible Anna Deshawn to the stage. (laughs) (laughs) Elsie, I love you. I'm so glad we're doing this. I know. I'm so excited. All right. So I'm not going to pick. I'm taking no more space. I am disappearing. Okay. (laughs) I'll be here behind the scenes. Here we go. That's right. She's doing her thing behind the scenes. I'm so grateful to Elsie and She Podcast for partnering with us at The Cube on this event, right? We're going to have a good time tonight. Unapologetic, being Black and queer in podcasting family. I am Anna Deshawn, co-founder of The Cube and host of the Queer News Podcast. Happy Pride, you know, happy Black Music Month. We're going to talk about it all tonight. I'm really excited. So here's the deal. I grew up in the church, so I need some call and response. Okay, let's get this chat going. I want to know that y'all are engaged. Let's start with you all telling us where you're tuning in from. Okay, I know folks will be tuning in across the country. Where are you tuning in from? Tell us if you got a podcast, let us know what your podcast is. Let's start having conversations. And let me tell you a little bit about the flow, because I think this broadcast is actually going to be a whole lot of fun. So I'm going to have one-on-one time with each of our special guests. I got five minutes with each of them to hear more about their why hear more about their podcast, hear more about how their identities all come into play with their work. It's going to be great. And then we're all going to come back together for the Q&A. So as you're listening, please type your questions into the comments. Elsie is in the background looking out for all the good ones because I got a list of questions, but I'm going to be asking a whole bunch of questions today. So I would love to take your questions during the Q&A. So don't hesitate. If you've got a question, definitely put it into the comments. Now, This is going to be so much fun. I want y'all to say hi to all the panelists. So let's bring them up. Uh, Goddess Coco, right, with the Sex Kiki podcast. Hey. We got uh, Jay Ray with Q Points is with us as well. What up? And then we got Sally with Afro Queer is in the building. Don't y'all worry. Aeon, right, with the Girl Down podcast is coming. Don't y'all worry. She coming. Okay. She's coming. Get your questions ready. But... Man, y'all so beautiful and glowing. What's happening, y'all? Yes. Yes, indeed. We're going to have a good time tonight. So family, get it going in the comments. We want to see it. We can respond and have a good time tonight. But first up, we got Goddess Coco. What's up? What's going on? How you doing tonight? I'm feeling real grown and sexy. Hello. Let me tell you why. Okay, family. All right. So uh, the Sex Kiki talks all things sex, life, and the queer experience. All right. And I know why, but Goddess Coco, please tell the good people why you started the Sex Kiki podcast. Um, Honestly, an extension of the forums um, that began in Chicago, where I was hosting community forums to 
talk about all things sexuality, community, and just like um, to strengthen our erotic intelligence. And so the Sex Kiki podcast bloomed to also be archival. It's an easy way to people to access information, to hear about these topics, and also to do it in the comfort of their own homes. I also talk a lot and I was like, I need an outlet. So, you know, podcasting just aligns, but also like, you know, it's fun. It's creative. You know, it's also like about that throat chakra and and having a means to kind of work through all of that energy. So the sex kiki began. I love it. And to your point about the archive, right? I have gone and I've listened to quite a few episodes. Some of your top episodes are, have been on threesomes. Mm -hmm. Um, Sex with Friends Mm -hmm. was another really popular one. And then the one with Rashida. Um, Mm -hmm. Sex Sex is a God God thing. Tell me, why do you think those three podcasts in particular really hit with people? I think it's people love fucking their friends. I I think because, you know, I think sex brings us closer to God. Whatever you believe God is, regardless of the God in you, you as a a divine being, um, the God in the sky, a Christian God whatever spirit uh, universe however you call it but I think that you know sex is like a direct connection to that energy and so I think when we talk about like sex is a god thing particularly with Rashida I think that like people have had so much trauma around their connection to you know religion and their sexuality that that topic was a, a highlight for people I grew up in the church I grew up Baptist I'm, I'm a practicing Buddhist now I think that like you know prayer is the consistent thing across the board, no matter what, you know, religion, practice, whatever. And so I think, you know, sex is a God thing was like supporting people in their, in their pleasure, supporting people in their spectrum of, um, you know, understanding and coming into their own um, divine sexuality. And I think that like, you know, I've had so many conversations with people in purity culture and things like that. And so I think that was for that one was the key um, when it comes to threesomes. I feel like that's like one of those popular sex acts that most people are like, I want to try, you know, like threesomes is like, for me, it's like the lighthearted, the introductory to like, let me do something a little out of the ordinary, right? Also, I think that people are just curious and I appreciate that. And so even if, you know, having a threesome is not something you're interested in, the fact that you can listen to a podcast and hear other people's experiences is beautiful. Yeah, I think that also too, like sex with friends is like a slippery topic. Like Lucy Stuhl, you know, Chicago, well-known. The drag queen says sister dick will make you sick. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, like, I think there's a, like a, a, a lot of my like um, sexual experiences have been with friends, like people who I have like romantic friendships with, or I've had solid foundations with, and we've, um, you know, blossomed into a sexual connection. And that doesn't mean that all friendships, you know, have that, but it's just to think about like, what are the boundaries in friendships and like, how can we expand them? And like, if you already have, a solid foundation or a solid connection with someone is sex a possibility. And I also think about like compatibility and all these other things too. So I'm not here to determine that, but we got to use our wisdom. And sometimes it's safe to explore with friends, even in a kinky, non-sexual manner too. So I think of this with sex or without sex. So, yeah. And I think one thing I think that I think maybe some people might be a little surprised about is just how you integrate spirituality into the sex kiki. Mm-hmm. I would assume most people are not coming to the sex kiki thinking we're going to integrate spirituality into this whole conversation, but mm-hmm. it's absolutely a part of almost all your conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's the beauty of the sex kiki podcast. And thank you for highlighting that. Cause as a person who believes that energy and spirit isn't everything, 
And it, you know, it's its own conversation. It's its own understanding. And it tells on itself. Like sometimes we are not spiritually or emotionally ready to experience certain things, but the energy will tell us, like will be transparent for us in a way that sometimes we can't be tra- transparent or honest with ourselves. And so, yeah, I think that's like one of the highlights is having that spiritually anchored component for sure. Absolutely. And what do you think is one of the most common misconceptions people have mm-hmm. about the sex kiki or even about you because you Ooh, host the sex kiki? Yeah, I, I, it's so funny. Like people, I think people probably think my sex life is more popping than it can. it is right now. I've been like really dry lately. I think that has changed obviously in like the last three days, to be honest, but I've been on this like, I think the key to sex magic is celibacy. So really understanding how my energy works and like what my creative force looks like. And what do I do with that energy when I'm in my shadow side or I'm in my like avoidant side and I'm utilizing sex in that way. So I've really taken a step back to kind of align with myself. And just on summer solstice, I had this Kundalini awakening in a way that has just been really powerful. I audio journal. So I might share the audio journal of that because, you know, the Sex Kiki podcast is about me sharing excerpts from my sex journal. And so I might have to share that one. (laughs) Okay. okay. Now that kind of leads me into... My last question with you, which is what's next on the podcast? Like what can people look forward to when they tune in to the sex kiki? Yeah, um, really highlighting black sex workers um, and really having conversations and those and that journey of their work and, you know, the integrity that it takes to, to keep doing something. It's a learn and develop it. You know what I'm saying? Honestly, to be like forgotten in a sense, because like people, you know, people consume blackness in a way that is is really kind of just awful I don't even know the word it's just awful (laughs) but like you know and I'm like really wanting to bring that nuance um in that conversation so that in highlighting black sex workers and also like you know politically you know thinking more about the criminalization of sex work and what that looks like and how other folks who are not sex workers can be a part of that or support folks in the community I love Mm -hmm. that because there's so much to be said about societies that have legalized sex work. There's a lot to be said about it. And this country is just way behind on all of that. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Goddess Coco, for all that mm-hmm. you're doing. I can't wait to have you join us for the big q and I know people got questions for you already know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank y'all. Keep it grown and sexy, okay, y'all? Hey, <laughs> that part. So family, you see where we're going with this. We're going to have a great time tonight with these amazing podcasters who just happen to also be Black and queer, so, and unapologetic about it, right? Let's go. Next up is Jay Ray of the Q Points Podcast. What's going on, my friend? What's happening, Anna? Thank you so much for pulling us all together and doing this. This space matters, and so thank you so much for this. Absolutely. It, it does matter. I, I'm excited about really amplifying all of y'all's work because I'm a fan of all of it, and you in particular are really unique on this particular broadcast because you have a video podcast, right? Q Points is a video broadcast uh, podcast that brings together the Black experience and music. Yes. And I mean, there's a lot of music podcasts out here, J.R.A., but what makes your podcast really different for people? Wow. So a couple of things. First and foremost, Q Points is a podcast that unapologetically uh, celebrates Black music creatives, like Point Blank Period. And that's really important to us. So sticking to that core, what makes us unique is one, we're two Black gay men having these conversations about music topics that 
I have not really seen before. So having these very serious conversations about hip hop history, having these very serious conversations about masculinity in the space and health. We've had a lot of health conversations on our music podcast. And that's what makes us different. We take this opportunity on every show to dig deep about the music topics that mean the most to us, that have impacted us through our our entire lives. And we create an opportunity to invite people to have those conversations with us. We kind of celebrate the fact that we're Gen Xers and, you know, we kind of emerged at a certain point in time in life. And so we talk about those things that really, really mean a lot to us. And I think that's unique. We bring our entire lens, our entire selves to each and every show. And that's unapologetic. So I think that's what makes us different from a lot of music shows. Yep, it sure is. I mean, I knew the answer, but yes, absolutely. All of that. And in a month like June, Mm -hmm. where it's Pride Month and Black Music Month, you know what I'm saying? Do y'all do anything special? I mean, y'all embody it every freaking episode. But in this particular month, is there a special way that you celebrate or anyone that you highlight or amplify? I mean, when I think about someone living at the intersections of all of that, the first person that comes to mind for me always is Sylvester. Mm-hmm. Always. Of course. But tell me, what happens in June for you? For you? So, you know, it's interesting. So last year, so our podcast uh, started in 2021, um, officially in May. So... Last year, we didn't do anything around Pride Month. We were just child. We was just trying to have a show. Like, we was just <laughs> trying to do a show. And yeah. then this year, it was like, oh, my God, it's Pride Month, and it's June, and it's Black Music Month. Like, but we do Black music every day, so it's, like, not that big a deal. Like, but what we decided to do in June that was super cool is every week, we have been having a conversation that involves some queer music topic. It could be just a segment on the show, or it could be, like, the whole show. How we started the month was talking about I Was Born This Way, which Mm -hmm. a lot of people may not know is the first song popularly released that contains lyrics about being an out and proud gay man. That song was written by a Black straight woman. That song was sung by two Black gay men. And that was the song that inspired Lady Gaga's Born This Way. So what we decided to do was have this conversation. And I was really fortunate that I had a dialogue with the man who, both the men who sang the song. So I talked to Charles Valentino, who sang the first version. And I talked to Archbishop Carl Bean, who sang the second version. And I brought pieces of those interviews to the show. And so that's how we started it. We really wanted to set the tone and the foundation up that, listen, Black queer folks have been having this conversation for years. We haven't been on the outskirts of of LGBTQ liberation. We've been in it and we've been singing about it and talking about it since the beginning. Um, And that's how we started the month. Yes. Yes to all of that. Okay. Now, I cannot let you go without talking about this Beyonce joint that just (laughs) dropped called Break My Soul. Now, for anyone tuning in and don't know, I'm Chicago, born and raised, okay, south side of Chicago all day. House music has never left. People are talking about she's like reemerging house music. Where house music been? House music ain't been nowhere, y'all. <laughs> Stop it now. Now, okay, right. the song is a bop. I ain't gonna, you know what I'm saying? I ain't gonna hold it up. Song is a bop. I dig it. Yeah. I'm a househead. I'm not from Chicago, but there are plenty of you search the internet, child. You'll find video and pictures of Johnny Cornegay dancing <laughs> to the house. Yeah. So I am. Excited that we are having the conversation about house music. It's weird in this current internet moment 
having this conversation though, because I don't know that everybody's serious. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't. They not. Right. I don't know that folks are serious. Like, they're just kind of talking about Beyonce in this new song and Drake in this new album. But I think what we're doing tonight, actually, is I'm going to do a little bit of house history tonight on tonight's show. And we're actually going to be having a webinar in July called Sacred Ministry, House Music History, and Black Gay DJs During the AIDS Crisis. That's the way we are going to be having this dialogue from a cue point standpoint. I think Break My Soul is a dope track. I do want people to get on the dance floor and dance to some house, though. Then I feel like they will really get it. Right oh, now, I feel like people yes. just talking, but you got to feel it. And you know yeah. that. And being from Chicago, like you got to be out there on the floor to get it. Oh, 100%. And with Br- Big Frida's on this track, okay. And then. <laughs> I think about Frankie Knuckles. Absolutely. I think about queer people. When I hear house music, I think about Black queerness. Absolutely. That's the first thing I think about. Mm -hmm. But that's because I know the history. And Jay Ray is here dropping all the history. (laughs) I know what's next on your podcast because it's tonight. And you're talking about house music. So, family, you definitely got to check out Q Points. Okay, you already know. Jay Ray (laughs) is the business. Thank you. Like, that means a lot coming from you. Thank you so much for, like I said, having us here and creating this space that we can have these conversations because, yo, folks got to know, like folks got to know the work that we are doing, you know, Black queer podcasters out here tra- changing the world. And that's important. So you know you. what's funny? This shirt I have on literally says change the world, start a podcast. Come on, J-Ray. See, we Spirit. get alignment all mm-hmm. the time. Thank you. Now, J. Ray is going to be back during the Q&A. If you got questions about house music. Okay. <laughs> Please. <laughs> okay. About why his video broadcast looks so amazing. Okay. It is top quality stuff. I want to see those questions coming through in the comments. Let's go, family. All right. I hope that y'all are having a good time. Uh, we're two down, got two more to go. I'm excited to bring these next podcasters to the stage. So please keep the conversation going in the chat. This is a fun one, right? Being unapologetic, Black and queer, what it means to be at the intersections in your work and how we bring that to podcasting. Yeah, this is really great. Next up, let's bring Aeon to the stage. Yes, yes. uh, She is the host of Girl Down Podcast. What's going on, Aeon? Hi, Anna. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I'm happy you're here. You in New York right now, right? Yes, I am. You getting ready for New York Pride? I originally came up here for Pride. I'm actually just coming back. We had an impromptu work retreat in the park. So it turned into a work trip slash just <laughs> coming here and chilling trip. So it, it just, when I tried to get away and have some personal time for me, you know, stuff got added to my calendar. So I kind of had to move and flow with how things are going. We be moving and flowing. That's all we can do. That's all we can do. But let me tell y'all, Aeon is the business, okay? Her podcast is called Girl Down Podcast. And in the description, she says, I'm a Black trans woman in the DMV unpacking the uncertainty of your 30s. Now, I'm in my 30s. There's mad uncertainty. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like, my back hurt. All types of things is happening in my 30s that I did not know was going to happen. <laughs> but there are so many ways in which you could have told your story, so many other mediums. I'd love to know why you chose podcasting as your space. So a little bit about me. I'm one of the OG YouTube girls from back in like the early days of YouTube. So I had a channel 
it started in 2008 and I was consistently uploading videos from 2008 to 2011 or 2012. That's kind of when I fell off. So I kind of always had the spirit of sharing my life or platforming myself um, in some way. And those videos, a lot of them are private right now. I'm still debating on when I'm going to release some of those videos, but I'm um, just documenting just where I was in life. And I was definitely in community um, with Diamond Styles, who was my sister, who does the Marshall's Plate podcast and um, New New and Scorpion Show. And I wasn't as big as them, but I was in that mix when the Black queer um, YouTuber, that initial movement had happened in Zim Van Adams. I initially got into podcasting. Again, I was inspired by my sister, Diamond Styles, who... Um, we knew of each other through YouTube and we stayed in contact. Diamond is the the principal host of Marsha's Plate Podcast. And when I originally decided to do podcasting, I did a joint podcast with um, a friend, um, Samaya Turner, um, Box Number 512 Podcast, Grown Black Trans Women Talk. I started that podcast in the middle of the pandemic. I really, I had no intentions on um, platforming myself. In my private life, I was just finishing law school, preparing for my life as an attorney, kind of had like stepped away from activism and um, all the stuff that I was doing. But just private con- phone conversations with a homegirl and us saying, girl, we should be talking about this on a podcast. And then me having access to Diamond and Diamond just breaking the podcasting game down to me. And just there's still a lot of fire and just ingenuity that goes into having a podcast, but compared to actually having to create a video and show up on camera, it's a low barrier entry. Like anybody can do it. And it's just it's just easy to do. You just you don't even have to spend a whole bunch of money for recording equipment starting out. And it's just something that I've been able to learn as I um went. And when the box number five so podcast came to an end, I kind of wanted to branch off and do something of my own because one of the things that I enjoyed was um, having people connect with me and um, honestly telling my stories on like letting down the veil and allow allowing people to connect with like the human part of me and not just this icon of, oh, this is just a trans woman in community and she's accomplishing all these things. Like underneath that, I'm a real person. And so many times we kind of platform people in our community and make them into these gods and idols that can have very um, devastating effects. And I'm somebody that no matter where I go and what I do, I always want to be relatable to my community and relatable to other people. I get that from your podcast. And I listened to the last few episodes that you uploaded. And you do. You talk about life. Right. And things that are happening in society and in culture and not only in your podcast, but across your social media. So things that stood out to me was your commentary on Kendrick Lamar's Auntie Diaries. Right. There was much to be said uh, about that track. And then also you've been commenting on P-Valley, which I need to which I've been following as well. I mean, I think there's just there's more to all of us than just one piece of who we are. So tell me how how you're choosing to still bring yourself, your full self, and how you bring your full self to this podcast while being you and letting down the veil. So Girl Down Podcast, the reason why I love it so much and the reason why I just feel so much freer now in that space is I can literally do an episode on whatever I want to do. 
most times is going to be on something related to a black trans queer woman topic because that's who I am. That's the the life that I live. But I have so many interests that more than meets the eye. And I'm the type of person like when I really like something, I can get kind of obsessive and just go and I want to know everything about it. Um, just like when I did my episode, I can bring other people into the conversation that normally wouldn't be a part of a trans podcast. But because I have this interest and this person who is non-trans has this interest, it gives us a way. To, it's a demonstration on how we can bond um, with each other. So, for instance, I'm a super, super huge fan of RuPaul's Drag Race. i um, been watching since season one. I did an episode with um, Maddie Rance, who um, has a social media movement dedicated mainly to the drag race franchise. I'm in the process of buying my first home. So I just wanted to do an episode because it, it's just a lot of things that I didn't know about buying a home. And sometimes I'll think of it or sometimes I'll just be living my life and I'll have these conversations. It's like, well, if I didn't know this, maybe this is a conversation that I could be having with other people. So one of my friends from law school, her partner, who she just relocated to the DMV with, is a realtor. I was like, girl, I don't want to buy a house. I don't want to be tied down to the loan. But then me being able to meet her partner and me being able to be educated in that way and me showing that it's still stuff that I don't know and I can still be educated and I can create an opportunity to share that information on my platform it's just about me not being afraid to show different sides of myself and to show that there, while I do have some things that I know and I, I'm an expert in, there are other ways that I want to um, grow. That's what's being human. That's what living a long life, a long, full and well life. That's what that should look like. And I was just having this conversation with my um, coworker. So I work at an organization that does um, legal representation for like transgender civil rights. And we were having a conversation about how we're so conditioned to um, lift up like trans victimization narratives. And don't get me wrong, like trans folks do go through horrible stuff because we are marginalized, but there's so many other aspects to our life where our transness is kind of in the backseat. And we have so many other things that bring us joy or make us angry or all that doesn't even have to do with our transness. It just that just does with us just trying to navigate life just like everybody else. So um, with this solo podcast, I can kind of expand and contract based off of like how I'm feeling and um, what rabbit hole I want to go down that day. And I love that because that type of representation is so important because to your point, what people get in the news or in the media from certain outlets, from social, it can be all negative most of the time. It can be all disparaging things, but we know that there's also joy. Right. Um, and we also know that there's beautiful moments and there's life outside of just your identity. Um, your identity is just one piece of you. So I love that you're doing that with your podcast. Family, go check out Girl Down Podcast and Aeon's going to be with us during the Q&A. So I already know the deal. <laughs> Get those questions going. Okay, if you got questions for Aeon, go ahead, drop them in the comments. Elsie's on the back end holding it down. So she'll be right back. See y'all later. <laughs> yes, indeed, family. We are almost towards the end here and we're getting closer and closer to Q&A. So I'm excited to see what questions y'all got. I got my own, but I know you got some good ones too, okay? Next up is my homie that I ended up having to meet in LA <laughs> and we're both on the South Side of Chicago. 
Sometimes that's just how the universe works. Uh, so family, welcome Sally to the broadcast tonight. Hi, Anna. Hey. Hey. <laughs> What's going on? It's good. It's so good to see you. Lovely to see you. Yeah, it is lovely to see you too. <laughs> Oh, family, let me tell y'all, I wanted Sally on the podcast for a couple of reasons. One, her podcast, Afroqueer, is phenomenal. I knew about Afroqueer before I met her, so there's that. Also, uh, she's a founder herself, right? AQ Studios. Let me get it right. AQ Studios. And then there's also none on record. That's you too, right? Okay, yeah. So she's just a founder, just a badass, okay, uh, doing her thing. And so if you don't know uh, what Afroqueer is, let me tell you, uh, the podcast is about queer Africans living, loving, surviving, and thriving on the African continent and in the diaspora. <sighs> There's just so much. We could be here all day. With we really okay? <laughs> um, but let's just start with this. Like, why are these stories in particular so important to you? Okay, so I grew up on the south side of Chicago as well. I'm also a househead. I've been watching this, just so excited about all these shows. So I am so happy to be here. I just want to say that. But I'm also Senegalese, so I'm also West African. Uh, and coming up, growing up in the States and coming out as a queer person, I did not have a lot of queer African community um, here in Chicago. Uh, and it really was very isolating for me. Um, as a young person. And I, as I started to come into my craft as a journalist, I was really thinking about where are the queer African people and how can I bring them to me <laughs> and really end some of this isolation. So I started traveling around the country. Um, also, uh, I went to Canada as well and started documenting, creating an archive of first person um, narratives of queer Africans who had um, immigrated either for, for asylum or for a university or were first generation like myself. Uh, and through that work, I then traveled to the continent and started collecting there um, in West Africa and South Africa and eventually opened uh, the nonprofit that you're talking about, None on Record, in Nairobi and Kenya, where I spent the last year, last 10 years living, actually, and working on documenting stories of African LGBT people. Um, and through that work, I launched Afroqueer. So we launched Afroqueer about three years ago, maybe four years now. I don't know. The years are kind of all up in together now. Um, and we're on our fourth season. And what we do is we're a documentary style podcast. We dive and we report. Um, we do a lot of sound design. We do a lot of music design. But we are not necessarily as the producers or the reporters or the journalists in the show. I host, but I always hand it off to the storytellers to tell their story. Uh, and the reason why we created this medium was because podcasting is so accessible. It was a way for us because also a lot of queer media is actually illegal to distribute in parts of Africa. So if I make a film... I even put it on YouTube. I'm, an, I'm definitely going to possibly be um, in trouble or could be arrested for making this content and then distributing this content. But podcasting was still so under the radar that we were able to create this show for multiple seasons before anybody knew what we were doing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> we were traveling all over the continent, just doing really amazing stuff and then distributing it. And then, you know, the international community paid attention. A lot of Africans were listening. And we won the Google Podcast Creators Program for the first year. And that was kind of the impetus that brought Afroqueer into a little bit more of a mainstream sort of space. And that has been so fantastic. It is fantastic. And let me tell you, when I hear queer in Africa, I'm like, danger. Like, my <laughs> signals are going up. Like, is it safe? Like, the laws, the homophobia. Like, I know of organizations here in Chicago that take folks in who are seeking asylum, right? Like, Yes, yes, yes. That is all very, very true. And, and. I think, yes, <laughs> I think that a lot of uh, some of the other panelists also touched upon this. We have so much complexity in our experiences. 
we do have a lot of challenges on the continent because you know homosexuality is criminalized in more than half of the continent at this point is changing slowly. And so that also means that when, when an identity is criminalized, we don't have access to health care. You know, it's, it's easy to be fired for, from your jobs. Your children can be taken away. These are all very real everyday realities for LGBT people on the continent. But still, people are creating families. They are, you know, they are advocating for their rights. They're being visible. They're pushing. They're, they're trying to change their churches. They're trying to come out to their families. So this is all part of the movement for change on the African continent in all of the countries in various ways. I think it's always really challenging and also dangerous to have a single narrative about a place. We, when we did Africa, we really wanted to make sure that we told a variety of stories, um, not just the hard stories, which are, are there, but also the stories around love, uh, perseverance. Someone talk about RuPaul's Drag Race. We just published an episode um, with Bibi, who won the first uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, if you all remember, Cameroon, was like 2009. So. <laughs> I mean, we try to like, you know, just really bring in a lot of um, the pop culture aspects of how queer Africans have also influenced, you know, queer culture around the world. So it's a complex um, existence and experience, as we know, as queer people ourselves. And we really try to illustrate that. And you do a beautiful job of it. Let me tell you all right now, when you go and start following Afrocare, just start at season one. Just do yourself a favor. Just start in the beginning. <laughs> OK, and just make your way through. I mean, it is just you, you all do a beautiful job at the work. Okay, so you've been living in, you're in Chicago right now, I understand, but you've lived in Africa for 10 years. Please, I have. we could be here all day about this, but please tell me, is it as liberating as people have told me that it is? Yes. <laughs> Short answer, yes. Yeah. There, is, there is something very powerful about waking up every day in a Black country. Mm. I've been back since the pandemic. My family's here in Chicago. Our airspace in Kenya was closed for quite a while, so I didn't have the opportunity to come home. So I've come home to spend time um, with my family. And I think the culture shock I had when I came home of now being in a space where, you know, white supremacy was really up front in my face. <laughs> there is a navigation here that I had to remember. Um, and it's also one of the reasons why I left the States when I did to go work on this on the continent was because I left right when Trayvon Martin had been murdered, right around there. When uh, the court, when um, he was found not guilty, Zimmerman, I was like, I guess I have to go. And I was in New York City. I was working at New York Times and I decided to leave. So there is some aspects of this country that are really complicated and challenging for me uh, as a person that has helped to push me onto my trajectory, my path. But yes, I think everyone should experience the continent. I think there's something so powerful about that. It does fortify you, really. It really does. It fortifies you. And it, it, it makes it like transforms you in some way. So <laughs> I don't know if I was hoping you wouldn't say that. Or... <laughs> I don't know, but I, my time here. is coming. My no, time is coming. No, people were writing me, emailing me, and being like, Sally, how do we move to Kenya? <laughs> the last couple of years. And I was like, I can help you. If you, you know, I got, I have a list of the, where I feel like, you know, a lot of queer people feel very comfortable on the continent. And I think, you know, I think we, you should travel. It's a beautiful place. I think people shouldn't be so afraid of going to the continent as queer people. And I'm always here to help. So just <laughs> let me know. <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry. It is in my future. And then I know everybody's interested now in your pod, but like what's coming next for you? Maybe not just with Afroqueer, but with right. AQ Studios, like everything yes. you're working on. So we launched AQ Studios in Nairobi and we were we were trying to think of a name. We, we launched a podcast production house, basically, to produce African podcasts. And we just did not want to leave our roots. So we were like, we're going to always remember that we started as a queer podcast that then became a production house. So we call it AQ as a nod to Afroqueer, right? So it's always going to be there. 
all my staff, most of my staff no, is, is queer and I love that. Um, and they're African and I love that. Um, and so it's a very, it's a very important organization and company for us. And we, we want to keep it uh, in Nairobi for sure. Um, but we have Afroqueer on its fourth season. We're wrapping up. Then we have Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women. Um, so oh, I definitely need to talk to Goddess Coco because we're going to oh. figure out do some pops. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, that show. Um, so we launched that show in the next couple of weeks. And it's based off of a blog, uh, Ghanaian Women to Ghanaian Feminists. I've been I'm doing that blog for 10 years. Uh, and then we have another show that comes out later in the year that I'm not going to talk about. Um, and then we have some pitches. People are pitching us. So we're looking to do some African and we do diaspora. So it's African, but it's also African diaspora. So we we try to do some narrative podcasts and really just put our skill sets to getting great podcasts out there <laughs> made by queer people from a queer company and sometimes not queer people from a queer company. Like, it's Come just on. so fantastic. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Like, it just makes so much sense to me. Yeah, um, exactly. I love all of that. I love all that you're doing, Sally. I, everyone's a fan. Just go Thank check you. out Afro Queer, <laughs> everything that she's doing, because these stories are so important. The stories that these creators are sharing, the movements that they're creating with their communities is so crazy impactful. When you're living at all these intersections, right, when you're Black, when you're queer, when you're a woman, your social location and your perspective is just incredibly different. And it's our own superpowers. And we bring all of that to the work. So I know y'all got questions. I mean, I got them. So let's get everybody back, Elsie. <laughs> it's time for Q&A with all these amazing creators yes. doing amazing work. What's going on, y'all? Let's uh, let's dig into this Q&A. Elsie, feel free, if it's a good question, just to put it up on the screen and we can jump right into that. What a wonderful way to spend a Thursday evening. All right. I'll start with this question because we've talked about podcasting and the work that we do, but what has been maybe a big challenge that you've had in the podcasting space when getting started and doing your thing? Goddess Coco, I'll start with you. Like, what's been most challenging? What's up, y'all? For me, it's just like wearing too many hats. You know what I'm saying? Because you're starting like it's a labor of love, obviously, but it's just like, oh, uh, you know, resources to like get all of those, those moving pieces together has been a struggle for me. I also took like a longer pause because my mom had got sick too. So like sometimes it's just hard when you're dealing with life things and you're wearing many hats to like fill in the gaps. So I feel like that was, has been a thing for me. hundred percent. Jay Ray, what's one of, one of your maybe biggest challenges? Yeah, I actually co-signed what Goddess Coco said because in the current space that we're in as a podcast, where it's just me and my co-hosts, we, we making it happen. And that's marketing. There's, audience engagement, there's websites, and then there's my work. You know what I'm saying? And then there's life. You know, I'm a caregiver for my mom. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's the balancing act of, of all of those pieces. Actually, I'm going to shout out somebody who's in the chat. I saw Fonda Clayton is in the chat. That's my bestie. Shout out to Fonda, who's brilliant. Fonda will tell you like the, the, the balancing of it all uh, can be a challenge. So I think that's the biggest thing for me right now. That's real. I don't think anyone recognizes how many roles. I think one podcast could probably have six to eight different people employed, okay? From sourcing the story, to writing the script, to recording, to editing, to publishing, to marketing. Then can we talk about repurposing content? I mean, it's just, it's all a mood. (laughs) All of it is a mood, okay? And there's nothing easy about it. Because we all are working in identity spaces. How does what's happening in the world affect 
the content that you create or affect what you want to talk about on your podcast or what direction you want to go. Ayan, I'll start with you on this one. How does what's happening in the world directly impact or dictate your content? I definitely feel like there are times where there are just certain topics or certain stories that just need to talk about, especially if it's a a trans um, topic or like a trans topic, like within the Black culture, just because I know that there is just not a level of care and not a level of nuance and like from mainstream uh, media. So it gives me the opportunity to come in and not only give my perspective, but just fill in the gaps and kind of push back against the narrative. But there are times like this summer, I'm on a break. I'm on a hiatus because as content creators, sometimes you need rest. Sometimes you get burnt out and it's okay um, to step back. And I know for myself and a lot of other content creators that I speak to, it's a constant negotiation where you have you create this audience, you curate this audience who are, are really looking to you to kind of be like the voice of reason or to be some sense. But at the end of the day, we're still human and certain stories, especially if they impact you, they they take a toll on you or just the work of creating the podcast, especially if you're doing everything by yourself from recording to marketing to coming up with the topics to reaching out to guests that you might have that week and just the back and forth of that. I feel privileged to be able to talk about what I want to and push back, but I also am hyper um, sensitive to how certain stories and how certain topics make me feel. And I give myself permission to step away. And I feel like I've created an audience where they respect me and they love what I do enough to give me that grace to do so. Yeah, I love that. I recently had this experience because I do the Queer News podcasts every day. I do three stories. And some days it's just really hard. It's really hard to sit there and write a script. One day it was because um, the shooting and the mass shooting in Buffalo had happened. Literally, this is all the same day. That happened. The Roe v. Wade decision got leaked. And then Brittany Griner's detention got extended all on the same day. Like I'm sitting here trying to write a script. And I'm like, I can't get through it. I think it took me over three hours to write this script because I was angry. I was frustrated. It was hard to find the words. And it's because it's so personal. The work is incredibly personal. So I feel that. I get that. Family, I'm inviting y'all to ask questions. We got these beautiful people, but just a little bit longer. I mean, this glow is legit, but it can't last forever. So if you got questions, please go ahead. Don't worry. I got plenty, but love to take your questions as well. So Sally, tell me, so you've you've been a journalist for a very long time right? Uh, Podcasting for a little while and you've got your own stuff coming up. We know for sure that now podcast listenership is more diverse and more people of color are tuning in. Do you feel like black and brown and people of color are listening more? Do you feel like your listenership has grown as the podcasting audience has become more diverse? Like how have you seen things shift and grow? Yeah, actually. um, The, oh, I want to say I was doing, I was hired as a podcast producer, I think in 2005 when nobody (laughs) knew what a podcast. I am also a Gen Xer. I am also, thank you, (laughs) Jay Ray. Thank you. They forget about us. (laughs) Oh my goodness. You was literally when Apple came out with an iPod. I was like, oh, that's going to be, oh, it was, it was, it made, I was employed. I stayed employed a little longer. So, yes. So I just want to say, I've been making podcasts for quite, quite a while. But, this fourth season is the first season where we hit some very high numbers. I think it also was partly because of the pandemic. People had more time. Listenership on the continent in terms of podcasts, knowing what a podcast is, our listenership on the continent exploded. 
beyond what we ever could have imagined. In terms of diaspora, yeah, we had a lot more people listening to us uh, in Europe as well. We get a lot of fan mail. We get a lot of people asking us why we don't have more episodes. So I'm so happy to hear that people understand when when you all take breaks, because I don't feel that people (laughs) understand when we take breaks. We get all kinds of DMs and... (laughs) And I think it's just the nature of people not understanding how much work this takes to to create these these things that they enjoy to listen to. So I do appreciate that. But yeah, I do think more Black people, more African people, more people of color are listening to podcasts and we're seeing it in our numbers and our demographics. And that's just really exciting for us. I love that. I'm glad that you are. I think more of us should, are probably seeing the same things. I know that I am as well. And Jay Ray, is this your best friend you were talking about? It is. Hey, Fonda. Fonda coming through with the. If you could have a mic to someone's heart, what do you want them to know or walk away knowing? Come on, uh, Jay Ray, I'll let you take this one first. Oh, wow. I want them to walk away knowing that my experience is probably not that different than their experience. I just walk in different shoes and in a different body and in a different culture. But if they listen, they will find that we have a lot more in common than they may not feel like on the surface. So I would want someone to know that. If I could have a mic to someone's heart for cue points, it's that I would want them to walk away knowing that the influence of Black people in music is far-reaching and it's ingrained in everything. And it is important that we center those folks when having conversations about music in all genres around the world. Love it. Goddess Coco, what would you do? What would you say if you had a mic to someone's heart? I would just say pleasure is political and, you know, there's no separation between what we do in our personal lives and how that manifests politically or communally. And I feel like Black, queer, and trans folks experiencing pleasure and joy is our birthright and nobody's going to take that from us. And I believe in, you know, preservation and I believe in Afrofuturism. And I think that, you know, when it comes to our pleasure and our sexuality and the way, you know, music and all of these other intersections, um, the way that we embody them and the way that we utilize them as conduits for change is the revolution. I will also say that, too, you know, as since the sex kiki is spiritually anchored, it's like having those practices. So you are not like so your spirit is unwavering. To the point where no one, no one can take that pleasure away from you is essential too. And that takes a lot of heart energy and, you know what I'm saying? Keep, keep going, keep moving. Pleasure is political. That's what I gotta say. (laughs) Yes. I love that. I love all of that. And we're coming to the end of our time together, which is sad because I don't know where the last 53 minutes have actually gone, but I hope that y'all have enjoyed this conversation. I want to end with one question. For everyone, because I know that we probably got some queer folks tuning in, but we probably got a lot of, as I call y'all, heteros, uh, the straight folks are tuning in as well. And I think that they probably often wonder how they could be better allies, how they could be better comrades in this space. So I love for y'all, if you had uh, anything to say to our allies and comrades that are tuning in about how they could be better allies in the podcasting space or just in life to folks who live at the intersections of being Black and queer. I would love for y'all to share your initial thoughts about that. Aeon, I'll start with you. I had a feeling you were going to come to me, but I was going to take the mic anyway. Um, Hello. (laughs) 
it to me is not rocket science. Start by acknowledging the people right in your immediate cir- circle that you invisibilize. I had the pleasure of doing a project, and you know, I can't give the details about it, but the cis folks who were a part of the project or who are supporting it, they are allowed to invisibilize um, queer folks in a way that we don't feel real to them. So it makes it easier for, for them to enact violence on us, ignore when violence happens to us, make jokes at our expenses. And then they try to flip it around like, well, trying to change how I am is so hard and it's so much. And it's like, no, you have queer folks in your family. You have trans folks in your family. How are you showing up for the, it's about doing the community work, doing the community work. How are you showing up for people? It's about taking the, the little leverage and the little power you have and showing up the people that you are in close proximity to. It's about everybody knows how to get on the phone and look for the most ignorant stuff and look up everything else, but you can't take the time to look up a podcast that can educate your ignorant self on trans issues, on queer issues, where you actually have those people taking the time and the blood, sweat, and tears to actually curate the content so you could be a little less ignorant. I would say you don't have to do this grand gesture um, to be an ally or to do the right thing. It starts by um, looking around you, you literally using your fingertips to get access to the information and to do better. Because when folks want to be ignorant, y'all have all the common sense and all the knowledge and you know how to make, you know how to connect the pieces and make the links work. So like do it in the intention to not be ignorant and to be liberating for the the queer folks that are like right around you in your families and in your communities. Yes. Thank you. And Sally, what you thinking? Um, I was thinking in terms of, and I, I want to second all that Aeon said, I think is right. It's correct. <laughs> um, it's in the African context um, and particularly in the podcasting world there. Even though we were, we are a very successful podcast, there was so much homophobia that we went up against working within our own um, medium in terms of our podcasting medium. And because we were so successful, it made people interact with us and work with our content. And what we try to do and what, I, what I've always been pushing a lot of the African podcasters to do is to actually make space for queer narratives um, within, that, within the podcasting community. If, that's, if we're going to do swaps on feeds, if you're going to be bringing in queer stories, et cetera, you got to make space for this because they will, they will actively try to close us out. Um, and they would have been very successful doing that with us if we weren't as successful as we were on our own. Um, so we are part of making space for the next generation of queer podcasters who are coming up on the continent. But I'm also pushing the larger mainstream African podcasting space to do that as well. And I think that's very important to what we're trying to do here. Absolutely. Jay Ray, what you got? I definitely echo everything that Aeon and Sully have said. And I think it's really comes down to, to Aeon's earlier point, it's not rocket science. Just we human, we're having conversations, participate in the conversation, share it with people that you know, like engage, engage in it. And I think that's the most important thing. I think to be an effective ally, you just have to see us as human and see us as Folks that have lives and stories, just like you got a life and story, that's it. Age with us in that way. And that'll go far. And then when we're not in the rooms, check people. I think that's huge too. 
when we not in the room, you need to check folks for us because we talking, this is, these are black issues. So that's what I got. Love it. God is Coco. Take us out. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm in the presence of excellence. So thank you all. I will say everybody said everything really great. I would say I'm about the grand gestures now. Put your money where your where your thoughts is at. We need, you know what I'm saying? Because when it comes to power, you know, as a dom, like when it comes to power, people, you know, the money, the money talk. We need, we need resources. We want to create more spaces for other creators. We want to grow our teams and like, you know, collaborate with other people. I'm going to need y'all to throw some motherfucking dollars and some strong, some large ones because I'm over this. We should not have to struggle to get by. We should not have to be for change, all that. But they love, y'all love consuming us. Y'all love the content. Y'all love, love the girls. Love all of this. I mean, we need our coin because we got shit to do. (laughs) Yes. Yes, we do. Thank y'all so much. Thank you, Aeon, Selly, J-Ray, Goddess Coco for joining me on this podcast. I curated this thing as because I really appreciate all of y'all's work. And now other people are going to appreciate it as well. So thank you so much. I also want to say a big thank you to She Podcast for partnering with us on this broadcast. Big up to Elsie, who's working in the back, working all hard, making sure this is all working. All right. And making sure we look good. The branding is dope. Okay. So thank you, Elsie, for that. And I want you to go check out these folks' podcasts and share it with someone else. Right. I think we've said it on this podcast that podcasting is accessible. You don't have to see anybody necessarily. I mean, you're going to see Jay Ray and Sir Daniel. They're really cute. But Audio podcasting allows for you to listen and to learn and to take in stories and stories allow us to humanize people, right? Our bodies are not political in that way, right? We can absolutely be human. We are human. And so storytelling allows us to do that. So I hope that you get that from these podcasts. We're just going to close out. I'm excited for all of this beautifulness. I'm excited that uh, these podcasts, I hope, will also be inside the cube right? So we're coming soon. We're getting closer and closer to launch our curated destination where you can find the best BIPOC and QTPOC music and podcasts. I'm so excited about what this could mean for podcasting. So check out this video we got at the end. Share this video with someone who couldn't make it. Don't let this video die tonight. Allow it to live on because everyone needs to know these creators and their work, period. Thank y'all for joining tonight. Peace. But the homies was a little different this year, but we still found a way to make it work. Y'all heard y'all hoes. You could talk. You talking out of shape, but let me see if you could walk. There's so much media being made by our community that it can be a little overwhelming to find something new to get into. But what if there was a place where you can find curated podcasts, music, and other media by BIPOC and QTPOC creators? The Cube is an all-in-one platform where you can find the best media by BIPOC and QTPOC creators right at your fingertips. It's loaded with features for artists and audiences, like being able to tip your favorite creators or being able to participate in revenue share when you publish on the platform. We've come a long way in developing this app, and we need your help to get us past the finish line. If you want quality, curated content in a community just for us, support The Cube.